Welcome to Girl Power Pod, the podcast to inspire and motivate women to feel empowered to pursue their dreams. In this episode, we are talking to Sonia Williams, co-founder of Sharesys, an app that helps you invest money in the stock market both in New Zealand and the US. In this episode, she shared her journey on the challenges with COVID and also established a team remotely, what builds a strong work culture and how they managed to launch on the US stock market in the middle of a pandemic. Tell me a little bit about your background. Yeah, cool. So um, I'm Sonia and uh, I've really spent my career um, in technology companies, um, but I came to that kind of late in the game. Um, I'm from a small town in New Zealand called Levin um, and eventually moved to Wellington where I then got a part-time job at a web design company and that really taught me so much about technology and how that can be used to solve problems. Um, and I just fell in love with it. Uh, from then I went and worked at other startups um, like Xero and then uh, another place called Marcelo uh, and loved it. And then decided I would take a bit of a change and work in the finance industry and got a job at uh, Kiwi Bank, uh, where I ran their business banking strategy. And um, it was interesting to kind of like get involved in this new industry kind of later on in my career um, and learned so much from that. But that's kind of what led to um, the creation or the having the idea for Sharesies, which is where I am now, um, one of the co-founders and also one of the directors of Sharesies. Amazing. So by June 2020, Sharesies had over 180,000 customers and people investing over $500 million. Is that correct? Yeah, that would have been in June. I think now um, we're at just shy of 220,000 investors um, who have invested just under 700 million. So um, definitely seeing a lot of growth at the moment. And that's quite interesting when, you know, we're going through everything that has with COVID um, to do, and, you know, probably not financial, financial crisis too. Why do you think that have shifted? Like, why do you think people are more keen to invest now? Yeah, so probably should just explain what Sharesies is for anyone who doesn't know. But um, Mm -hmm. so we're an online investment platform that makes it super easy to invest. Um, We're on a mission to create a financially empowered generation. And we do that by giving someone with $5 the same investment opportunities as someone with $500,000. We believe everyone should have the opportunity to grow their wealth. And um, that's what we're working towards with our platform. Um, So you can invest in a range of different investments, um, all from one cent. So we've got New Zealand shares, uh, a range of managed funds and also US shares as well. Um, So that's what we do. And then I guess thinking of how COVID impacted our business, um, there's obviously the business aspect of it, which is uh, everyone needing to go and work remotely. Um, We were well prepared for that and um, the team adapted really well. And um, there was lots of cool activities to try and keep our 
I guess team really connected, aligned, and um, I guess, you know, that feeling that you get in the office, how do we do that remotely? Um, and then there's the piece of it around the business um, and the market that we're in, which is investing. And when we think of um, what industry we're in and when we're planning the business, we knew that um, we felt like a risk to the business would be a market crash or, or some kind of um, market volatility. And mm. we're trying to um, help break down some education barriers as well um, to make people feel confident to invest. And uh, we always thought that that would stop people from investing if there was market volatility. Um, but what we've learned is that um, it actually has driven people. We've seen a lot of people getting involved in investing. Still people who are new. Um, we've got about 70% of our customers haven't invested before. Um, and really this comes down to, I think, um, I've heard it described as uh, Tina. Uh, there is no other alternative. So I think um, there's things like the low savings rates that you get at the moment. Um, if you haven't saved enough to invest in a house, um, you know, then that option's off the table. And as well, you've got, um, it's in the media all the time, uh, these uh, what's going on and I think people it's really hard to kind of I, I guess have that future focused conversation about your money and what kind of life you want to live but I think something about COVID has made that feel very present for people and I think people are taking stock of where they're at and wanting to make sure that they're in a really good space um, for their future and so I think that's also driving people to take more of a look where their plans are and, and how they're going about growing their wealth. Right. And how would you say that um, COVID had impacted Cheers's? In you, you guys, you mentioned that you thought it was going to be, you know, downfall for Cheers's, but it sound, but the sound of it, it sounds like it's been going the opposite direction. You know, it's actually been a lift for the business. And you guys just launched investment in America too. That's right. Yeah, yeah. So um, as I mentioned, there's been quite a lot of new customers coming on board. So we've seen really great new customer growth. Um, and as well as activity on the platform, people are investing <laughs> uh, during this <laughs> time. So um, yes, we've seen uh, growth there. And I think too, um, for us, it meant that we've had to also grow the team quite a lot to support that growth. So we've also been hiring a lot um, during COVID as well. Mm. And what do you think are some of the key factors for the success of ShareSys? Well, first off, I think the problem is real. Um, I think that uh, one thing I personally was quite fascinated about and going out and when we did, so we did six months of customer validation before starting Sharesies. And that was really just to understand how people were feeling about money um, and themselves and about investing and saying, mm. is, there, is there the right environment here? If we were to solve this problem um, with the idea that we've got in mind, would it work? And I think that's when it really hit me um, how important and how deep this, um, I guess, the relationship that people have with money is. Yeah. And um, although it's a part of everyone's lives, most of us have a really negative relationship with it. And um, I think by really understanding that, we've been able to bring some of this, um, you know, that really helped us shape our solution and make sure it felt really empowering for people and that we were making money, not this thing, not this kind of dry conversation, but this thing that you feel like you're in the driving seat of. So mm. I think part of it is like one of the key factors has been really, really understanding our customer. And how did you do that in an early stage? Did you go out and just talk to people or how did you capture that before you even started building the product? Yeah, so... Um, 
we went out and did in-depth research, so in-depth interviews, and that's more about um, quality rather than quantity. So mm-hmm. you're really just trying to talk to a range of people, and um, we started just by asking lots of questions and getting really curious. Uh, we then would shape up or we'd go out with a new set of questions say every two weeks uh, to a new group of people and just tried to learn as much as possible about this industry. Um, and then we started prototyping and we'd actually take um, prototypes of the solution we had in mind and start to get kind of uh, engage our potential customers with it and learn as much as possible. And then once we felt like we had the, I guess, the insight or the assumptions that would sit behind whether this would be successful or not, we did a, um, a survey of the New Zealand population as, or a representative of the New Zealand population and made sure that those insights were validated um, at scale and, um, and that we had, I guess, really strong product market fit. But the key thing was just launching. You know, we the biggest risk was that people might not do what they say that they'll do. Um, So before you actually get people using the product, we can only, um, you know, they can only tell us that that's what they'll do. But um, once we started launching, we launched early with our beta and really made sure that people were using it. We took on that customer feedback. We improved the product. We were making changes every single day uh, based on customer feedback and really kind of almost co-designed the product with our customers. Yeah. And did you have some um, early investors who backed the, backed the idea or did you just do it, you know, bootstrap it? So there was, just to give some background, um, there was a team of six of us who co-founded um, Sharesies hmm. and we're all from a range of different backgrounds and, um, and three of us went full-time first and went into an accelerator program. And with that, we got a certain amount of money up front um, to kind of kick the idea off. Yeah. Uh, but then after that, we also raised some more money once we felt like we'd really shaped the idea and had some early traction. Uh, yeah. We then did we did take on um, more investment and uh, we've continued to do that through the life cycle of the business. Really cool. Because um, when was Shirsis founded? Was it 2017? 2016, October. Yeah. Um, that's kind of when, when we all came together and, um, it was really at the time as well where the media was just filled with millennials not being able to buy house, houses yeah. cause they spent all their money on smashed avocado on toast, yeah. <laughs> uh, which is so not the case. <laughs> um, and I think that's really what, um, you know, led me to having the idea for Shearsies and thinking actually this problem is pretty big and, yeah. um, I think we could solve it. And then, um, joined by fantastic co-founders from a range of backgrounds um and I think that's another factor of the success is um team and having great people and we've continued to grow an amazing team at Shearsies and um feel really proud to work with so many amazing people it's great why do you think you should invest money using Shearsies and not just go you know on a portfolio uh, fund or um something similar and just do that on your own why is Shearsies so good use instead yeah I think um one of the key things is that it makes you feel like an investor you can really um see behind the hood you're making all your own decisions um and uh you can do that with one cent so you can really create the portfolio that suits you and invest in the way that suits you so the way that we're designed um you can set up an automatic payment if you want to invest on a regular basis a small amount or a big amount however you want to invest um 
you can do that on Sharesies. And I think um, we provide a lot of support um, with our blogs. We do a weekly webinar where we talk about the markets and what's going on there. Um, and I think the key thing is uh, because of the smaller amounts, you can really learn by doing and build this understanding of the market. It's not this thing that you kind of put your money into and, and then just hope for the best. Um, you really get to start to understand how the investing work, world works. And what are some of the tips that you will give to someone that haven't used shares or haven't invested anything yet, but really want to get started? Yeah, I would say... Um, Think of what your goals are. Start with how long you're wanting to invest for. There are different types of investments that suit um, the different timeframes. I'd say choose an amount that you want to invest, that you feel comfortable investing, and then um, just get stuck in. So um, we, one other piece of you know guidance, I guess, is creating a diversified portfolio, making sure that... Um, you know, you are, because investing does have risk involved, but there's also um, risk and reward are kind mm -hmm. of correlated together. Um, so think of companies that you like what they're doing. Um, you think that what they're doing, say in 10, 15 years, um, aligns um, to what, you know, you're wanting to invest in. Um, or otherwise, there's things like exchange-traded funds, where instead of investing in one company, you invest in a range of companies and, um so there's, for example, there's like the New Zealand top 50, which is the top 50 companies in New Zealand. And that's where your money will be invested. Um, and so if you're not sure and you don't want to get kind of into the companies thing straight off the bat, there are different options or different investments that suit what you're looking to get out of investing and what stage you're at. Some great tips. Um, what are some of the current trends that you see when it comes to investment? Yeah, I think it's interesting, um, especially at the moment. Um, I think one of the biggest trends is that there are more um, people getting into investing. So I think that is a massive trend um, instead of it just being kind of what's called wholesale investors or people who are investing professionally. There are more people investing themselves um, to build their wealth. And I think that's really um, cool. It shows that, uh, you know, we've got all this transparency of information uh, and that people are really taking that into their own hands. Um, I think the other trend that we're seeing is, um, I guess, well, one of the things very top of mind is, you know, the COVID situation and what's happening there and, and what industries will be successful through that and what industries um, are going to struggle through that. And I think people are really... Um, I guess taking the time to philosophize. I think anyone who tells you they know what's going to happen is, is lying. Um, yeah. <laughs> any, it's just, uh, um, you know, crystal ball. And I think I definitely uh, um, am not the person to say what's going to happen. <laughs> um, yeah. But I think the other one is people really investing. We see a lot of impact investing or values-based investing. Yeah. Do you think that's that a, like a generation thing that you look more on the value of the company and invest in that rather than the profit they're making? Well, I, I also think that those two things aren't mutually exclusive. Um, I think you don't choose between purpose and profit. I do yeah. believe that you can have them both. Um, yeah. I think that's a bit of a myth around impact investing. Mm -hmm. um, but I do, I think there's more of a consciousness now. It could be a generational thing, uh, but I think companies are realizing um, that, you know, to survive, in the future that um, caring about the environment, caring about the impact that you have on people and making sure you're um, 
creating something of real value for everyone uh, has to be really top of mind for all businesses right now. Yeah. So recently, Shares is launched in America on the American market too. Um, how has the response been to that? And what what were some of the biggest challenges? Yeah, I think, um, so we've launched US Shares onto Sharesies. And I guess, yeah, one of the challenges would definitely have to be um, COVID because that kind of came right in the thick of um, our team really working on this. Uh, so having to adapt to remote working, also then having to work on how we collaborate remotely. Um, but been you know, a fantastic effort from um, the whole team getting that out the door. Uh, I think what else is there? There's um, challenges would be um, a lot of complexity to doing that and to be able to do that from one cent. Um, so we have to we had to introduce foreign exchange to the platform, which is um, where you convert your currency from New Zealand dollars to US dollars to then be able to buy shares um, in the US exchange. So things like that where, you know, we had just had New Zealand dollars before. Um, All of these things add complexity and, um, you know, but they're really good challenges for us to solve. Yeah. It kind of keeps it exciting. (laughs) It's amazing that you managed to do that all through COVID and also having, you know, to address the remote team and and making sure that everyone were doing okay at the same time. And how would you describe the, the culture of ShareSys? We early on set some really clear values of, of how we wanted to, I guess, work with each other. You know, with a team of six co-founders, you have to get all on the same page really early on. Mm. And um, we really thought about a lot, you know, what type, it's not just what we're doing, but also how we do what we do. And what kind of business are we building here? What do we want it to be? And, um, you know, how we really come together is a really big part of that. So um, our values, just to quickly kind of cover what they are, uh, chase remarkable. And that is around uh, doing impossible things, um, really striving to to have a positive impact and um, push ourselves. Um, so that's a really big part of um, what we do. The other one is in it together. And uh, that's this idea that, uh, you know, teams build things. It's not, we don't have an individualistic culture. Um, we share a lot of, that means, you know, we share the celebration, but we also share the load. And mm-hmm. no one's, you know, we try to make sure that no one's really carrying um, too much on themselves and uh, and that we're all working uh, for what's best for sharesies, uh, not from like an ego perspective or things like that. So um, definitely in it together is a big part of the foundation Um with everyone being able to show up as themselves as well. So um, we do place a lot of importance on um, diversity and inclusion and uh, just try to be a super inclusive place um, that has as many perspectives on the table as possible because I think that's truly what will help us drive innovation as well. Yeah. The other one one is always care and that's around um, caring about the little things as much as the big things, you know, the compounding effects of the care that you put into something. You know, we are craftspeople um, building yeah. something really special. And um, But the other thing around care is it's how we care for each other, for our investors and also uh, for ourselves. Yeah. Um, often you can forget when you think of care, you think of giving care to others. Um, but sometimes to be able to do that, you really have to look after yourself too. So um, we're really proud that we've won um, work, work-life work balance awards since we've been going. Um, and 
tried to just create this environment that feels like a great place to work. And it's not just because we want it to be a great place to work, but we know um, that really in this hard kind of challenging industry that we're in, we're really trying to change the world here. Yeah. <laughs> um, you need people who are feeling supportive, created all these things to really um, show up and be able to do that. You need to feel and be so kind of connected and supported uh, to do that type of work. Yeah. And how, how will that look on a daily basis? How do you foster that culture and like, you know, the, the feeling of not working individually, but working towards the same goals? Yeah. So it's a big part of our hiring process as we do focus on our values and make sure that there's a real match um, that we kind of consider culture as being this thing that grows as well, um, that everyone who joins the team is adding to our culture as opposed to needing to fit within our culture. And But we do really show those values and talk about those values a lot um, during hiring to make sure that those are values that um, that people joining the team are aware of and and I want to kind of come on board with and, and align to what they're wanting to get out of their work as well. Um, the other piece is uh, we do we talk about them a lot in our quarterly review processes. Um, those are the things that get you know called out. It's like how did you show like examples of how that how this person showed Chase Remarkable or In It Together or Always Care. Um, and at the moment, we're going through a process of building a code of conduct that really, um, I guess, takes those values and puts them into behaviours. So it becomes very clear what that actually looks like, mm. um, especially as we grow. It's going to be really important um, that those things feel very clear and um, that people can really, I guess, bring themselves to that as well. But no, you know, this is how, um, these are the types of things we're trying to create here. Would you be able to share some of your biggest failure that you have had in your life and what you have learned from them? Yeah, um, that's a, it's a tough one because I think it's hard to kind of look at one big failure, but I think, you know, you fail a little bit every day. If, um, But I think part of it is understanding, um, you know, what went really well and, and taking the win from it. Mm. Uh, so part of, you know, I, I think... You wouldn't be in business if um, when something goes wrong, that stopped you. So I think, um, yeah, on the path to this, there's been so many failures, um, but it's what you do with the failure, I think, that matters. Um, and something I've learned maybe coming from a bit of a perfectionist background um, or, or having that as a bias of mine mm-hmm. Um like I've started doing this thing it's almost like a personal margin of error where I say all right you know it's a given that you're going to get some stuff wrong uh and uh it's more about but as long as that's kind of 70% right or you do 70% of it right and then as long as you learn from the stuff that didn't go so well um so I think it's more of a constant um, oh, that was that I would do that differently is probably how I reframe little yeah. failures along the way. Great. What would you say are the three key things to really embrace innovation? Yeah, that's a good question. You know, this is a personal area that I love is yeah. what really what really creates great innovation. And um, 
I've been having a bit of a think about it. But first off, I think it comes down to imagination. I think being able to imagine a better way or a better world, um, that's where it starts or that's where it mm-hmm. starts for, for me. I think the other thing is creativity. We're all born with it. We all have it. We just need to foster it. And part of it is that we shut ourselves off to saying that we have great creative ideas. And um, we do. Creativity is really just thinking about a problem. You know, if, if I could share anything, I think it would be around how important, you know, unlocking that creativity within yourself is and yeah. knowing that you have it. And then I think there's the piece around confidence or to do something about it or to have a conversation with someone about it or to just get the wheels moving because mm-hmm. um, the innovation really is change and making change happen. And one of that is seeing the change. And I think all of us could sit there at some point and go, oh, I thought of that, you know, when something yeah. epic happens or changes the world. And everyone and, should come up with a good idea, right? But it's about execution and getting it yeah, out. Yeah, totally. So I think that, you know, to really make change takes, that's, you know, so it's those two sides of that coin of going, you need to have the, um, have the ideas or create the environment for um, things like that. But you, then the difference is that you do it and, yeah. um, you know, whatever gives you the confidence to move forward and do something or to make the change. And it can be a small step. How would you say if someone doesn't have that confidence, how do you build it? Yeah, that's a good one. Um, and I think, uh, you know, coming from, <laughs> I think we've all suffered from imposter syndrome at different yeah. times in our, in our life. Um, and so it's not necessarily about having confidence, but getting confidence. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that can be from sharing it, sharing, um, finding people who make you feel confident. Um, the more you can kind of gather a team around you and, and help, um, you know, get people all engaged that helps you you know, rather than relying on your own personal confidence, I think it's more about how do you how do you get what you need to move that first step forward, and that can also be other people, which yeah. you know I I often use you know need that quite a lot heavily on others um, to help give cool energy to things and um, move it forward. Yeah, what what do you think are some of the biggest opportunity in this new kind of world that we are living in now? Yeah, that's really fascinating. Um, uh, I think there's a real chance for us to rethink, you know, our impacts on the environment and to really get um, work out what this all means and, and what we're going to do there and how we're going to react. And I think, um, yeah, it might not be the biggest, but I'm intrigued by it is around how we are, are not stuck, but, you know, the not being able to travel internationally. Yeah. Um, but yeah. how that could lead to more opportunities for us as a culture to gain a real richer understanding of of ourselves and what it means you know to be in New Zealand and to really start to learn more about our history um, and connect with our environment what it might it look like when you're talking about New Zealand uh, with people who are you know people are living here it could be a nice time for us to you know get curious about our identity and about um, New Zealand and New Zealand history and what do you think, and if you look on like the, the, the work environment, what do you think are some of the biggest opportunities there? Yeah, I think um, the work environment, I think being able to unlock talent that maybe, you know, we've always been able to just hire people who can come and work in our office in Wellington. Uh, mm-hmm. And now we've got, um, we've hired a few people in Auckland because when we're through COVID, when it was like, oh, well, we're all remote, it doesn't really make a difference where you are yeah. in the cult, in the country. Um, so I think one of them is really around unlocking talent, being able, and I think the flip side of that is 
as a person, as as an individual, uh, being able to structure your life and your work, having more autonomy over that without, say, the feeling of needing to go into an office. And so I think that's another piece that I'm kind of intrigued by. Yeah, it seems like you guys really nailed the, the remote working and still keeping the culture and, and also the sense of belonging, I guess, going through COVID and everything, which is really impressive. I know a lot of businesses have been struggling with that part and you know, still keeping the culture. And how do you build culture working remotely? Yeah, no, like it's been a constant kind of focus and lots of hard work. Um, and I think we've still got, we're still doing lots of learning. So I think the key thing is just like, you just got to be curious about it and, and try to, um, you know, work out what's going to work and what's not and try different things and yeah, if it's not working. Yeah, exactly. What, what do you say leadership uh, means to you? I think leadership is, you know, how do you unlock the potential of everyone uh, to achieve wonderful things or impactful things or meaningful things or that's what it would mean to me yeah and how do you think we can get more women into leadership positions so they not get stuck in middle management yeah I think um that is a grunty question um <laughs> and one that I think people have done lots of thinking on I think it does start with looking at the bias within your businesses and um I think that's why I like doing the work on diversity and inclusion Mm-hmm. Um, so I think if you are in a position of um, leadership, really looking at that biases, I think it starts by tracking, you know, measuring something is what helps change it. Because if you start to look at those numbers and go, actually, we're underrepresented here. Um, if you're not looking at them, you won't ever be asking the question of why why in your business there aren't more women in leadership positions and things like that. I think um, from a if, if you're a woman <laughs> um, yes. who is in middle, middle management wanting to get into leadership, things that I wish I knew um, were probably around really identifying what I want from my career and then not being scared to ask for it or ask for support to achieve those things and mm-hmm. get more and more people behind you. I think I was given some advice um, early on. If you are wanting to make a change or it's okay to just be inquisitive about something and to say, hey, can I sit in on that meeting? I want to learn about this. I think I was surprised at how many people are willing to um, help you if you ask. So I think one of one of it is like finding out what you're cur- curious about and where you're trying to go and then working out who might help you get there. And what is success to you? I think, well, that's, you know, kind of deep. Um, (laughs) On the one hand, like I'm hugely driven to have a massive impact and to try and leave the world in a better spot than when I found it. And at the moment, that is a lot to do with um, creating a more equitable society. I think success to me is also being a great person for the people in my life and um, making sure that um, I'm being a good friend, being a good family member, um, that I'm having positive um, impacts when people interact with me. Uh, And as well, I think I like to laugh a lot and that brings me lots of joy. So I like to think, you know, if I'm laughing and having fun, then that's pretty successful too. Yeah. If you're laughing with other people, that that makes you really (laughs) (laughs) Totally. So you said, you know, leaving this world a bit better and also more equal um we haven't really talked about how shares is work on like an equality level in terms of getting more females to invest because i think the statistics are showing that mainly you know men do the, the big investments and women do more like smaller you know smaller investments over time what's your view on that yeah i think um so just for some context you know before um when we were starting shares only 20% of the New Zealand population had shares. 
yeah. and of that um most of them were male over 60 and living in Auckland Mm. and um so I think a big part of what we're trying to do is get more of the 80 percent investing thinking as well that that's so good for the world because if people if you only have one type of investor then they'll invest in the same thing whereas the more diverse your investor base the more diverse I guess the companies that exist will be and so if that's um impact investing you know all of a sudden you've got a bunch you know it's more accessible for people to invest in things that align with their values uh, and then those companies have more money to do more things and can be more successful. And so to contrast that, on shares, 72% of our customers are under 40. So we are getting a younger demographic. We do have uh, 50% of our um, audience being male and we've identified 50% as being um, female. So uh, we do have quite a good range of, of genders on the platform. Mm, that's amazing. It really shows that, you know, women are interested in listing too, but maybe it haven't been done in the right, you know, format before to really encourage that. Some of the stuff's quite intergenerational. Um, I know if your parents invested in shares, you're more likely to invest in shares. So for people whose parents didn't invest in shares, how do you get into it? And then um, I've also heard a lot of stories about father talking to the son about money or investing uh, and not talking to the daughter. So mm. you've got families, you know, it's how this stuff gets passed down. And um, what we're trying to do is just create an even playing field. And so yeah. no matter what background you're from, we will be having those money conversations with you. We will be having those investing conversations with you. And uh, we encourage everyone to have them with the people in their lives as well. Great really creating change in that space. And what advice would you give to your former self? I'd say like maybe back yourself a bit more. I think there was definitely times where um, like I've held things back or I haven't felt as confident or I've let that get on top of me a bit. And um, I've heard something once that was like, if you you never ask, the answer is always no. And I guess that's the same as like, if you don't try, um, you'll you'll never change. You'll never know. Yeah, exactly. Is there a quote that you live by? There's probably many, and I feel like I just gave one, but um, (laughs) (laughs) I do think there's like, I'm more of a multiple quotes for the right moment um, person. But I think um, one thing that stuck out to me is um, my mum would always say lots of different quotes. You know, one thing she would always say was like, when I'd say, I can't do that, she would say, I can't do is made to do. Yeah. And it was this idea that, um, try try these impossible things why do you think just because you you know what's the story that's telling you you can't do something and really those are the things that you should try and do yeah I do I do feel like I I you know that's probably something I do live by I like to try and do impossible things yeah amazing really good answer to it (laughs) that was all the questions I had yeah thanks for having me if you have any suggestions on who you would like to hear on this podcast feel free to email me on girlpowerpod at gmail.com or you can always dm me on instagram following girlpowerpod it would really mean a lot to me to hear your thoughts on today's episode thank you for listening to girlpowerpod Pod.